Hi everyone, thanks so much for joining us today. Today's message is a continuation in Pastor Nick Davies' series on peace. This message is entitled, Victory Over Shame, and it was given during our Wednesday evening prayer service on March 3rd, 2021. Our Wednesday evening prayer services are a great way to spend time in God's Word and in prayer for one another. If you have any requests you would like us to pray for, we would encourage you to come out at 645 each Wednesday. Our other services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Sunday at 7 p.m. If you have not yet subscribed, please do. When you do, you will receive a notification each time we post a new message and will always be up to date. We hope this encourages you in your relationship with Christ, and if it does, we would love to connect with you in person sometime. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. Uh, As you guys well know, we're going through what we've called the Peace Series. Um, And as we started last week, uh, we started talking about the good stuff, the gospel, and how that changes our lives. Last week, I asked you the question, how has your relationship with yourself changed as a result of the peace with God that He has made with you whenever you accepted Him as your Savior? As we start into this tonight, remember we've defined peace as a lack of hostility and an established harmony within ourselves and external harmony with others. It's all based upon the salvific act of Christ's death and resurrection. Really, this question of how has your relationship with yourself changed as a result of the peace with God has to do with the application of the peace with God on our lives? How has the peace with God established internal harmony in yourself, or how should it? And does this affect our external relationships? Does the peace we have within us affect our neighbors? It does. We'll find out. The question is quite important to ask yourself because How you view yourself in light of the gospel reveals a few things. The first thing is that it shows your functional beliefs about God. How you answer the question, how has your relationship with yourself changed as a result of the peace with God, reveals what you truly believe about God. Maybe you're somebody who keeps tally of your good and your bad to know whether or not you're getting into heaven that day. Chances are, you believe that God is this cosmic balance, weighing your rights and your wrongs, which, let me tell you, is a false view of the gospel. That's not what it is. So then you're not functioning like God has said you could and should in light of what Jesus did for you. The second thing that it reveals to us is how you view yourself. Who are you in light of Jesus? Do you really view yourself as a child of him? What are you capable of? Well, as a child of God, we are capable of fleeing from sin. We're capable of spreading the gospel like he has called us to. But if you don't believe the right things about the gospel and you don't really believe the right things about yourself, you're not going to do what God has called you to do. The third thing it reveals is whether or not you have internalized and functionally accepted his grace. This is beyond just in your head intellectually. But do your actions follow the line of logic that runs along the lines of grace. This leads me to ask some follow-up questions. 
And this is something I want you to ask yourself tonight as we go through this. To really see whether or not you are believing in the grace that the Bible talks about. The first question, how do you deal with your past sin? When you think back to the things that you've done that go against God's word, how do you deal with it? The second thing, how do you deal with current sin? With the sin that is happening in your life right now, if God were to reveal in your heart that you have sin that you need to repent of, how do you deal with it? Do you actually repent? We're going to talk about that a little little bit more in the next few minutes. And the last thing, how do you deal with future sin? What do you do when temptation knocks at your door? What are you going to do? If your answers to these questions are out of line with God, what God's word tells us is how we ought to be dealing with those things, then you are not functioning out of grace. Instead, you're functioning out of fear. You aren't functioning out of peace with God. You're functioning out of enmity with him. As we walk out of here today, I hope that you are reminded, I hope that myself is reminded that God has declared us to be free. If you are a child of him, he has declared you free from sin and that you would not put yourself back into captivity. To maybe help you wrap your mind around this, um, I want you to imagine for a moment someone sitting in a prison cell, like not the prison cell of today, like prison cell like a thousand years ago. To help with that, I provided a picture. Nicole helped me out with this today. She didn't know I was going to share this. But um, this is, this may help you wrap your mind a little bit about, a little bit around what the prisoner would look like. So that's, uh, that's me and Nicole probably like 10 years ago or so. That was when she still thought I was a jerk. I was. <laughs> that's the time where she said she wouldn't, she wouldn't have dated me. Um, but I was dressed up as a prisoner there, so this, that was a, a play in school. Um, it was a lot of fun, but I had like two lines, but I was a prisoner. So I brought this up to hopefully give you a visual of what I'm thinking of. Now this person in this prison cell, you can take that down. That's hard to look at. <laughs> Myself, not her. Um, imagine that, sitting in a prison cell. All you want to do is get out. You're sitting in this prison cell day by day. Your life is wasting away. This man is, is wasting away as he sits alone beside the guard, alone in his cell. Then one day he's told, your debts have been paid. Your sentence has been cut short. I'm unlocking the door. You're free. The man blinks for a few times. Thinks, is this real? And he walks out. He looks around at how wonderful life is outside the bars. Then he walks back inside of his cell and sits down and complains about how trapped he feels. He lives his life day to day from there on out, sitting in a cell that he is now free from. You might think to yourself, man, he's crazy for doing such a thing. And you'd be right. But unfortunately, many times we do the very same thing. We walk back into something we have been freed from and sit down and complain about the consequences that it brings back into our life. When you and I function like we haven't been made at peace with God, we're just like this man who sits in an open cell, trapped yet free. 
Jesus has said that you're free if you know him as your Savior. Yet you and I, we still run back to sin. You and I still fall into the temptations of living like we have to earn our salvation. You and I still sometimes view ourselves through the lens of what we have done rather than through the lens of what Jesus has done for us, which certainly limits what he can do through us. As we start digging into things tonight, I want to remind us of what Paul said in Galatians chapter 1. We're going to be jumping around to a few different passages tonight, so I hope you have your Bibles and I hope you're ready. Galatians 1 verses 6 through 7, it says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you, and I would pervert and would pervert the gospel of Christ. My encouragement for you tonight is to not live your life according to a false gospel, to really check what you functionally believe about gospels and what you functionally believe about God. And instead, if you have those false beliefs rooted in your heart, to turn from them and live it based on the real gospel. As we seek to answer those three important questions of how do you deal with past, current, and future sin, let's take a moment to see some distinctions between some terms when it comes to this kind of conversation. Two words, shame and conviction. What we're talking about tonight is that we have victory over shame. But what is shame? Now, there's a big difference between shame and conviction. Shame is humiliation due to sin. Shame exists in the absence of forgiveness or in the perceived absence of forgiveness. Maybe you just forget about forgiveness or Maybe you're living your life in rejection of the forgiveness that Jesus offers you. And unfortunately, shame is a really powerful tool used by Satan. Shame tells you that you can't change. Shame tells you that you aren't worth dying for. Shame tells you that your sin is too big to be covered. Shame tells you that no one cares. Shame tells you that you can't make an impact for Jesus because you've messed up too much. And you know what? Those things would be true if we had to work our way to our, our salvation. But we don't. Romans 3, 21 through 26 tells us that, and that's not the only place that we see it. We see it throughout the New Testament that we cannot lose our salvation, nor do we have to work for it. In Romans 3, uh, look at verse 21 through 26. It says this, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon them all that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through the faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins, that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. This is good news, isn't it? It's the best news. It's better than just good news. It's great news. Because our salvation rests upon Jesus, so is our usefulness. 
Because our salvation is based upon Jesus, so is our usefulness. Because he has declared that he is in us and can use us. The second term is conviction. What is conviction? Well, if we look at scripture, it tells us that the Holy Spirit, that conviction is the Holy Spirit's working to bring to light sin in one's life for the purpose of bringing about change. Turn over with me to 2 Corinthians 7 and look at verse 9 and 10. It says, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Shame disables us, kills us. But godly sorrow or godly grief produces change from what we had been doing. A great example of this is in Acts 2, verses 37 and 38, where Peter was just sharing the gospel, and this is the response. It says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the disciples, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's a big difference between shame and and conviction. The other two things that there's a big difference between is condemnation and guilt, things we see in our life as well as in Scripture. What's condemnation? Condemnation is a verdict leading to a punishment. Romans 8.1 tells us where you and I, as followers of Jesus, stand when it comes to conviction. Romans 8, 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Our penalty for sin, our penalty for which is death, has been paid for by Jesus. We don't need to pay a bill that no longer exists, right? If there's no bill, there's no bill to pay. Jesus has shredded that bill. Whenever he died on the cross, when you've placed your faith in him, we have no more condemnation. The second thing, guilt, is a little bit different. Guilt is just that you did or did not do something. Did you sin? Yes or no? For all of us, the answer is yes, that every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. That's the question that's in mind when we talk about guilt. Did you do it or not? Every single one of us is guilty. But if we've confessed Christ, our debt has been paid. God didn't just act like sin didn't exist anymore, though, because then he wouldn't be just. We've talked about this before on Wednesday nights. God paid the debt that we owed. In a Christian's life, there may be earthly consequences for guilt, but there's no more eternal punishment. I think of Paul and Barnabas parting ways in Acts 15. Barnabas deserted them before, so Paul refuses his company. Barnabas, although a servant of Jesus, misses out on this journey with Paul because of his previous actions. Eventually, God uses him in other ways, but this is just a small example. I'm sure you can think of examples in your own life of where your sin has had consequences. It's found you out. Actions have consequences. That's why I say all this. But, as Christians, we're free from eternal condemnation. We no more bear that penalty of sin. 
The next thing is that there's a big difference between free to serve and free to continue in sin. We are not free to continue in sin. We have been freed so that we might serve one another as obedient servants of Jesus. Galatians 5.13 perfectly sums this up. It says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Ephesians 2.10 goes on to talk about this. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And again, in Romans 6.18, being, being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. Our calling is not, we're free, so just keep on sinning. Romans 6 talks a great deal about that. In fact, since you're already in Romans chapter 8, turn over to Romans 6, look at verse 1. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And really, it goes through the entire chapter of uh, Romans 6. So in your own time, I encourage you to read that. But you and I, as children of God, have not been called to continue living in sin because we have grace. It's not a free pass. We've been called instead to be obedient to him. The last thing there's a big difference between is regret and repentance. Regret is just sadness you did something wrong. Maybe you wish you wouldn't have had uh, done that because you didn't like the results that you got. We're called to regret in some ways. But regret can easily turn to shame, which we've already talked about. doesn't really help us out as followers of Jesus. So we can't let that happen as children of God. We must turn our regret into repentance. Because repentance goes a step further. Repentance is to have a change of self, which is your heart and your mind, that abandons former dispositions and results in a new self, new behavior, and regret over former behavior and dispositions. It's a complete change of your action. Over and over and over in the New Testament, we see a call, well, really in all of Scripture, we see a call to repentance. As I said, repentance goes a little bit further than regret. How? Repentance acknowledges the broken relationship that you and I had with Jesus and in turn recognizes a need for change. Thanks be to God that this relationship can be mended by Jesus' blood because if it weren't for him, we might recognize it, but we wouldn't be able to do anything about it. Regret stops short of the action taken in repentance. Now, I differentiate between all those terms because it's important to remember them as we tackle those three important questions I asked at the very beginning. How do you deal with past sin? How do you deal with present sin? How do you deal with future sin? So as we kind of turn towards closing this evening, I want you to ask those questions to yourself as we talk about it. Number one, how do you deal with past sin? What do I mean by that? Remember those random things that sometimes pop in your head that I talked about last week? I was talking to someone at the the ladies' Bible study in this week, And I said, what I had in mind whenever I said that was I went up to one of my friend's dads whenever I was in kindergarten and hugged his dad because I thought it was my dad. And 
when I remember that, whenever that comes back into my mind, I still feel that like fear that flushed over my body. But we really do that with a lot of other big things. That was a small thing. The fact that those past sins creep up in our mind, I don't think is unintentional. I really believe that Satan uses our past sin as a way to distract us from accomplishing God's work. When you are reminded of the sins of your past and you respond with shame, it's going to paralyze you. It's going to keep you from being able to do what God has called you to do. Instead, when you are reminded of your past sin, I would encourage you to take a moment to remember what Romans 8.1 says. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, there's certainly some serious effects that choosing one of those paths can have. If you walk in the way of shame, you are walking contrary to the gospel truth that you have been forgiven. And in doing that, you dampen your witness because the grace of God is not shining through you. What does that person want? If, why does that person want what you have if you don't even want what you have? But when you do live as you are forgiven and you stay faithful, the grace of God is not only working in your life, but through it in the lives of other people. So that's how do we deal with past sin? It's important to our witness. It's important to our relationship with Jesus. The second thing, how do you deal with current sin? What do I mean by that? Say you're sitting in your seat right now and you realize, hey, I've got X, Y, Z, this sin, the sin of lust, the sin of greed in my life. You recognize that right here, right now, you're living in sin. When you're made aware of your current sin, shame is going to creep in to tell you that you can't escape it, that you're just trapped. You might as well give up. It's too late. It's too late to turn around. You've already, you're already there. Might as well just keep on keeping on. Shame will weaken you and make you feel like you're dependent upon your sin when you are not. And shame leads you to regret. But rather, instead of that, when you're made aware of your current sin, the gospel doesn't tell you to have shame. The gospel tells you to repent. Stop doing it. Go and sin no more. Not to wallow in self-pity, but to pick your legs up and get going in the way of righteousness. 1 John 1.9 tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We do not have to be held back by the current sin that is in our life. We can be forgiven. We can get up. We can move on. We can walk in the way of righteousness that he has called us to do. If you walk in the way of shame, you're walking contrary to the gospel truth that repentance leads to forgiveness. And in doing that, you tell others through your life they can't be forgiven. If you don't think you can be forgiven and you try to tell somebody that they can be, do they want it? No. But when you do live, knowing that God is faithful to forgive you, you are freed from your sin, and God's t word tells us we are not paralyzed. We are not held back by that. And we can continue to walk in obedience. The last thing, how do you deal with future sin? What do I mean by that? When temptation comes knocking at your door, what do you do? What are you going to do when temptation knocks on your door tonight? What are you going to do when you walk out of here and something pops up on your phone 
something pops up on your TV at home that you shouldn't be looking at? What are you going to do? When temptation comes your way, shame tells you that you've already messed up. It's too late. Train's going in that direction. Can't pull the brakes. It's not worth trying because you're already a failure. However, the gospel of Jesus tells us that when temptation comes our way, we are to flee from it. That we can. We have been given a way out. 1 Corinthians 6.18 talks about fleeing sexual immorality and it sets an example for us to flee from sin. In fact, not only are we supposed to just flee from sin, but we're also told to run towards righteousness. Since we're in Romans, look at chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. It says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield your, ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We're supposed to do the exact opposite. Rather than just letting our knees get weak and giving in, we are to turn and flee from sin and run towards righteousness. When you walk in the way of shame, you're walking contrary to the gospel truth that tells us that we can overcome sin by the power of God in us. And in doing so, you tell others that they can't overcome it either. That it's not worth trying. But when you do live according to the gospel of Jesus, you would set an example of righteous living by fleeing from sin and pursuing righteousness. We have a choice to make in each of those areas. Past sin, present sin, future sin. What are you going to do? Are you going to choose to walk in the way of shame? Or are you going to walk in light of the gospel truths that tell us that we have victory over sin? So as we wrap up today, I hope that if you struggle with shame in some way, that you've been encouraged to flee from that. What you have done in the past doesn't make you useless. What you are doing now isn't unforgivable. But as Jesus says, go and sin no more. Lastly, the temptations you will face tomorrow, tonight, the next day, they're not impossible to flee from. You've been given a way out. Take it. I want to leave you with 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It says this. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have been given victory over shame. Because he sent his son to make peace with us by his blood on the cross, you and I don't have to live in light of our sin anymore. We can live as obedient servants to him. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I encourage you, if you're not already, live in the truths of the gospel. Don't neglect what he has already given you. Don't tell yourself that you're not worthy. We weren't worthy, but he declared us worthy. We didn't deserve Jesus coming to die for us, but while we were yet sinners, he did die for us because he loved us. To live knowing that he loves you. Let's close in a word of prayer, and we'll get into our prayer time tonight. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God that sent your son Jesus to clean our record before you. Lord, we thank you that despite being our righteousness being as filthy as rags, 
Lord God, you have declared us clean by the blood of your Son, Jesus. Those who have confessed you as Savior, Lord, have been made clean. Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, I pray tonight would be the night that they come to know you so that they too can be clean, so that God can use them to share the good news, that same good news with other people who don't know it. Lord God, I pray that if there's anybody here struggling with shame, Lord, I know it's a temptation. Lord, I know it's a temptation for me to struggle with shame. But God, you are greater. You have given victory. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be in line with your word so that we might live according to its truth. Lord, we love you and we ask that you just be with us tonight during this prayer time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. And if it has, please give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen on and share with a friend so others might be encouraged as well. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to hear from you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.